Hey, FedHeads, welcome back to another episode of Sharing Our Pairings. Uh, we're live on Facebook, rebroadcast around the world on the Armed Forces Net- Radio Network, and also available on YouTube and podcast uh, on your whatever your favorite podcast catcher is. I mean, however you get your podcasts, chances are we're there. So if you want to listen to us in the car, on the go, while you're running, or uh, just while you're sitting on your patio smoking a cigar and drinking a nice beverage, uh, subscribe to our podcast and you know, well, we update pretty much as soon as the show's over. Uh, the longest we usually go is like 24 hours. If I uh, if I'm slacking a little bit, don't have time to do the edit. Um, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about cigars. We're here to talk about drinks. Uh, I'm Trip. I'm here with my co-host Dennis. Dennis, how you doing tonight? Doing great. How are you? I'm awesome. Um, it's good to be so, back on the show. Oh, of course. It's always like um, my favorite day of the week. Lots, yeah, I, beer, I just cigars can't be there. Right? I I always look forward to it. Like it's it. Uh, I've been doing it for about a year now and it still has never felt like a job. Uh, you know, it's still <laughs> something that I do for fun, uh, that I'm not just doing because I kind of feel like I have to, which is good. Um, but we're here to talk about the cigars that we're smoking. Um, so this is, if you can focus there, come on, buddy. There we go. Uh, this is the Jeremy Dak Libelula. It's a hard name to pronounce. It means it's dragonfly. Tricky. Um, so chances are, if you're watching or listening to this, you haven't heard of Jeremy Jack. They're very, very new. Uh, I believe their cigars just launched at retail within the last few weeks. Um, their website says that they're coming out in October, which obviously is this month. So I would assume they're hitting shelves now, but I, I haven't actually seen them anywhere, even online. Um, but they kind of made a pretty big splash at the show this year. There was a lot of buzz. We didn't have a chance to go by their booth, so we don't have an interview, um, but a couple of our of my podcast colleagues were telling me about how great Jeremy Jack's cigars seem to be and you know how awesome their booth was, how great their packaging is. So to give a quick update uh, or a quick rundown, I'll give the short version because uh, Brady from the owner of Jeremy Jack is actually going to be on Cigar Chat tomorrow. So if you want to get in-depth and learn a lot about uh, Jeremy Jack's cigars, uh, watch Cigar Chat tomorrow night or listen to it on podcast because... Uh, we'll have Brady on, be taking your questions, and you can learn everything you need to know about Jeremy Jack. So they're based in Wyoming. He's a B&M owner who wanted to start a cigar company. And I, I'm excited to ask him about this because I don't know how he did it. So all of his cigars are made at Tabsa, which is also known as Casa Fernandez, which is, of course, where everything, pretty much everything from Warped is made, most of the stuff from uh, Foundation, a lot of the stuff from Illusione, and, of course, the... You know, their in-house Casa Fernandez stuff. Uh, and all of the Nicaraguan tobaccos that are in these cigars are, of course, Aganorsa, which I love me some Aganorsa. Oh, it's great stuff. I love it, too. And sorry, I'm trying to keep my cigar from going out here. So and not only do they have like just a recipe for success in the blends, their packaging is really cool. They've kind of got their normal lines. This is this is uh their normal lines are like JJ for Jeremy Jack. Uh, I don't remember the specific nu- specific numbers. I know there's a 14 and a 15, um, but those all come in 25 count boxes or or 20 count boxes, depending on which one it is. The 20 count boxes are kind of these understated, just kind of plainish looking boxes with their logo embossed on them. Uh, this particular one, oops, comes in a 25 count box, um, and then they're two kind of. I don't want to call them novelties because they don't taste like they don't smoke like novelty cigars. Uh, but their two novelty kind of packagings are the El Chapo, which is of course named after the extremely famous Mexican cartel member, and they come in what they call a brick of three, which is kind of it's just like a little box, um, but obviously it's called they call it a brick, like a, a brick of you know something illicit, and then they have the. Salchicas, I believe, is how it's pronounced, which means sausage. And those are actually packaged in like a, it looks like a, a weapons crate that you'd see in a movie. And it's six cigars that are lined up and they're tied head to foot. So like the head of one has a tail that goes into the foot of the next one. And it's just some really innovative, cool looking packaging that is, uh, I don't know, I feel like you just don't see a lot of packaging like that anymore. And this, I mean, this was their first year. Nobody had really heard of them before. I think they might have been doing some stuff in-house at their B&M. Um, but this is the first time that they'll be available anywhere else. 
So I'm um, I'm excited to get into this and try it. Um, any any comments before I get into the specific blend here, Dennis? So good point on the box. I thought that was pretty cool too. And you're right. A lot of companies don't. They kind of stick to that traditional nice cedar, maybe a little bit of paint on the outside, but that's about it. I, I think it's awesome that in the last couple of years, we've seen a couple of different manufacturers putting out boxes that look a little bit weird, look a little bit different. You know, Pete Johnson's been doing his dress boxes, which are awesome looking. Oh, they're phenomenal. Yeah, I love them. And so it's nice to see a different take on the, the classic traditional, you know, uh, cigar box. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of like that uh, Jeremy Jack could have come out of the gate with all like these off the wall, different kind of boxes, but they went a little bit traditional, a little bit sort of, uh, you know, artsy, just, just something different, uh, which I, I appreciate They're That way they're kind of appealing to the market of people who just, they want a cigar to be a cigar. And they're appealing to the people like me who are just kind of like, that's a cool box. I kind of want to have that in my house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's but yeah, so, You're right. so we're smoking the Libelula. Uh, this is a five and a quarter by 54. The wrapper is San Andreas from Mexico uh, with that fantastic Aganorsa filler and binder from Nicaragua. They're, of course, made at Tabsa. Uh, they come in boxes of 25, and they are $8.30 each. Um, and Super reasonable. Very yeah, reasonable that's, price. That's a really good price. Great. Especially for a size like this. Um I, I feel like this is kind of middle ground size. It's a little bigger than a Robusto, a little smaller than a Toro, kind of just straight down the middle. It's a good size. And so we're not only here to talk about the cigar, of course. We're here to pair this cigar. So um, I'm I'm just going to get right into it. I'm going to get right into my first pairing here. So my first pairing over there. is from... Uh, so people who have watched the show will might know this distillery. This is from Wiggly Bridge Distillery. Um, so I was introduced to this by Barry, Barry Stein from over at the Cigar Authority and Two Guys Cigars. He's a f good friend of the show. Um, and this is a bourbon that is made in Maine. Uh, specifically, it's made in um, York, Maine, and aged for four years in new charred American oak barrels, so it can be called bourbon. And it clocks in at 43% ABV. I'm going to take a couple sippies while you talk about your first Not pairing. Bad. Wow, so you hit in the hard stuff first, right at the gate, huh? Yeah, I figured the rest of the stuff might blow my palate out a little too much. <laughs> so I wanted to uh, to start with something kind of smoother. It looks beautiful. Oh, it's, I mean, this I'm is a fantastic I'm, uh, I mean, you might be able to get it in your neck of the woods. I can't get I'm it out here. See, yeah. yeah, we have a couple of specialty stores. I might have to check it out. So my first beer, um, sort of a, my tradition now, what I like to do is is start pretty light and then move it up to something a little bit spicier, a little bit hotter, heavier. So my first beer is a, oddly enough, um, here show you guys. So oddly enough, this is a Saison, but it's a sour Saison. So this is called Ground Loop. And this is from a, this is a Two Roads and Stillwater collaboration project. And it comes in at 4.5%. So it's pretty accessible. Um, as Saisons go, Huge fan. I love all of them, but I love sours too. And I thought it was such a cool idea that they brought together two different styles just to see what would happen. And it's nice. I mean, it looks gorgeous. It definitely has a sour kick to it, but it's mellow. It's not what you would think when you think of a sour beer. It still stays true to that traditional farmhouse saison flavor, but not as intense. So somebody that maybe hasn't had one before could easily jump into this without not being overwhelmed. Um, so the the Wiggly Bridge that I'm pairing here, there you can see the that beautiful color. It it's got like I don't know if it's what I ate today or what, but it's got way more flavor and and way less kick than I remember it having. Mm. It's got like a huge huge hit of like vanilla at the beginning, and then it turns kind of like caramelly, and there's there's some like there's some butter in there, and then just a little bit of that smoky character. Uh, that you always get from a bourbon in various degrees and it it goes really well with the cigar it, i'm trying to figure out what exactly the flavors are that's bringing out in the cigar i think i think it's kind of like the the spice and some other flavor that i can't quite identify so it's actually funny you mentioned that that other flavor thing i'm getting it as well and it's almost like a uh, um it's almost like a wood like an oak yeah, that might be what it is. There's like some, 
some like chocolate and toffee notes. And then there's something that I can't quite identify that is like maybe oak or hickory or something like that. That's just got, but it's not like mouth drying. Like I feel like woody notes usually are. Yeah, that's a tricky, it's a tricky flavor because sometimes it can be super overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the flavor that's really being brought out by this whiskey. And I was going to say, it looks like that whiskey has some pretty good lacing on it too. Yeah, it's definitely got some legs. I mean, I swirl it around and it's hard to see oh, on camera, but you can really see how oily this is, which I mean, like I say constantly, I constantly say on the show that whiskey, if you don't drink whiskey, it sounds terrible. And I mean, I guess yeah. if you've had whiskey, but you don't really like it, uh, but there are some notes that I really like in bourbons and scotches like uh, rubber tire and iodine and seawater and stuff like that and it sounds horrendous but for some reason it works when it's just that little bit in a whiskey and it's really not that it tastes like that it's that it reminds you of it it doesn't always mean that it's that exact flavor it doesn't mean that uh you know it's like it this doesn't feel like you're drinking olive oil or something it's yeah, just got a little a bit more of that viscous kind of quality than than most spirits do well, it's kind of like with uh, Laphroaig, right? You open up a bottle of Laphroaig, mm -hmm. and it, it's got that classic super peat smoke smell. And anybody that walks by just thinks, man, that's that, that's got to taste horrible. But when you taste it, it's really it's not as pronounced. It's more of a yeah. reminiscent of rather than, like you said, rather than just being in your face. Yeah, and when, when people describe Laphroaig as like a campfire, it's not yeah. that it tastes like you're licking charcoal in a campfire. Yes. It's that... <laughs> It's, it just reminds you of those senses. It kind of fires off those same sensors in your brain. So yeah, I've I'm said it before. Lie, I'm a huge fan of that stuff. I, I've said it. it before, and I think the Wiggly Bridge just goes so well with a cigar. It's, I mean, Barry nailed it when he, when he found this. I don't know how he discovered it, but he discovered it and started drinking it on the show, and uh, we were really curious, and he was nice enough to send, a, send me a bottle. And I'm so impressed by it. It's just so good. And it's got like that, it's got a different character than most bourbons. It's got a little more corn pronounced flavor. And I find it very buttery, typically, um, which tonight's no exception. And I, I don't usually get that from bourbon. So it's kind of different as a bourbon. But I haven't found a cigar that it goes terribly with yet. Yeah, I think with, with most whiskeys, it's it, generally speaking, the, the medium to full body cigars do fit pretty well into that palate. Yeah, it's just kind of one of those things that cigars and whiskey tend to go together. Yeah. Uh, there there are certainly bad pairings out there. But if you get a good cigar or the right cigar and the right whiskey, they'll go together. But I want to know how that sour Saison is doing. So the beer itself, man, I have to tell you, I love it. It's my first time trying. I've never had it before. And it, it's great. It's really, it's, it's still got that spice character to it. And I love that. It's not just tart and and sour, although it is, I'm actually salivating a little bit, but um, it's really well balanced. And the cool thing is with this, the first, you know, the going into the first third of the cigar, it's it fits really nicely with the profile of the cigar. It's not overpowering. They're they're both kind of meshing together nicely, and I, I like that a lot. Good. I, I'm, I'm actually surprised. surprised. I, yeah. I I didn't expect that to be a good pairing. Um, and I forgot to say it at the top of the show, but if you're watching on Facebook. Uh, you know, leave us some comments. Interact with us. We want to talk to you guys. Ask us, ask us some questions. What are you, what are you dying to know about these cigars? I mean, you can ask tomorrow night, and you'll get the answer from the man himself. But for tonight, we're all you've got. Um, so yeah, I, I think the Wiggly Bridge. I mean, if you can find this, if you can find a bottle of this bourbon where you are, or within a reasonable drive, it's worth it. It's very good. And it, I mean, it is only four years, but they're a they're a new distillery. I I don't think I've found what year they were founded, um, but I think they're fairly new. And I, as far as I've heard, we can expect some some older expressions from them, which I I would really okay. look like. I think a ten year from them or an eight year would probably be really good. So they are they're exclusively whiskey then, yeah. They don't they don't distill they don't do gin, for example. I believe so. I'm not 100% okay. positive. Um, we're going to take a break here. And while we're on break, I'm going to check that out. And then we'll be back with that information. So we'll be right back, guys. 
brought to you by Gurkha Cigars. Gurkha Cigars, makers of the world's finest cigars. Try the 93-rated Heritage featuring Rosado, Ecuador, and Habana wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and Dominican, Pennsylvanian, and Nicaraguan fillers. Blended by Gurkha's blending team at American Caribbean Cigars, it's hand-rolled Nicaraguan available in 35-count boxes. Talk to your local B&M about the Heritage today, or talk to them about other fine Gurkha cigars. Whatever your taste preference is, Gurkha has a cigar that's right for you. And we are back. So right before the break, Dennis asked if they had any other spirits, and I just wasn't sure. Um, but I, I went to their website. They do have a kind of a something from every corner. Um, and one of the things that I wasn't able to get 100% clear is whether they distill everything. But I've been told that they do. I'm not 100% positive, but I believe they distill everything, and that's what I've been told. Um, so they've got a... White whiskey that is a 100% proof or uh, a 100 proof spirit made from their bourbon sour mash. So it's made from the same mash as this stuff, um, but they obviously just don't age that in barrels. And then they've got this small batch bourbon or small barrel bourbon, rather. Uh, they've got a small barrel rum, a white rum, a vodka, and a small batch dried gin. Uh, huh. Okay. And it says, gin sour mash family recipe used in its whiskey yields a light, subtle juniper dry gin with a complex citrus finish. That sounds delightful. Um, Oh, man. So you don't see a lot of that these days. Most gins use a slightly different spirit base than the whiskey itself. Uh, They'll usually make like a more neutral grain spirit. Um, But we're starting to see these days a lot more of distilleries using like a whiskey recipe which is what they're using here they're using the sour mash from the whiskey to make gin so the reason they do that is because uh when you start a distillery if you start a bourbon distillery you're gonna be you're gonna spend a couple months making some bourbon putting it in barrels and then you're going to sit there for four years and wait for your first batch to be ready uh, after you've spent million dollars on this building and you've spent two million dollars on equipment and then half a million dollars on ingredients, and you've just got stuff sitting in barrels not making you any money. So they can make gin. They can make that spirit in, I mean, how long does it really take to make a spirit? Like a week maybe? Yeah, it's, it's pretty short. Uh, yeah, it's not a long time. You have to go through a little bit of ferment- fermentation and then a little bit of distilling, and then it's done. Um, so you can sell that as vodka or you can turn it into gin and vodka generally sells for a lower price than gin. So there's a lot of distilleries these days that are right out of the gate. They'll release a gin. What I've found either, either they buy all their bourbon and they mix it themselves. They kind of come up with a blend of stuff they got from one of the bigger bourbon companies. Um, or they start off with a gin. So if you see a new gin company pop up, Chances are, if they're distilling their own gin, that in a couple of years you're going to be seeing a whiskey out of there, which I find really interesting. And uh, in most cases, those gins are pretty good. Um, like Actually, that's how speak- the uh, the botanist. That's how the botanist came out. Um, I don't know if you've ever had that gin. It's incredible. It's an Isla gin. Um, I think I actually have. Yeah, it's made at the Brooklady Distillery. And they started making that because they went through a hiatus where they didn't make anything for like 20 years. And all they had was $300 bottles of scotch to sell. And so when they were starting to get back into production, they had to find a way to make money. So they came out with The Botanist. And I mean, that's hands down my favorite gin. And I'm a, I'm a huge gin guy. I love gin. Um, but for Unfortunately, it just doesn't pair well with cigars in most <laughs> no, cases. No, no, no. Uh, so actually, I, I think, was, was going to ask you, I sent you, remember that bottle that I sent you a while back? Yeah. The Brooklyn Harry's Distillery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Navy Strength. Mm-hmm. So those guys, that's a perfect example, right? They they have a whiskey, but while they're waiting for the whiskey to mature, they're, they're making this gin. They're making a vodka. They're making these other products that they can in the meantime because they really don't require a lot of time. Yeah. And, and, and allows your production facility to be moving constantly yeah. while you're waiting for this bourbon to age. Um, so we had a question from Thomas Sellers. He wants to know what the pairing is. So tonight we are pairing the Jeremy Jack Libalula. I can't, cannot pronounce that word uh. to save my life. Uh, it means dragonfly. 
this is a Mexican San Andreas wrapper with uh, Aganorsa binder and fillers. Uh, it is rolled in Tabsa, which, of course, uh, rolls many fantastic cigars, also known as Casa Fernandez. And they're a kind of a brand new company as far as uh, distribution goes. Uh, previously, they weren't distributed outside of a single store where in Wyoming. Uh, where the owner just kind of had his house blends, but he decided to start, you know, make a make a few more blends, bring it national. And I, I mean, I think if you can find these cigars, you should buy them. They are very good. I'm like really it. enjoying this. I, this so the, obviously, this is my first one, and I think it's your your first one as well, right? Mm-hmm. You haven't had them before. Um, I like it. I really like it. I, I'm always partial to San Andreas. I've I've never. I can't think of a bad one that I've had. Um, really I can think it. of one or two bad ones, but for the most part, San Andreas is uh, maybe in my top three favorite rappers. It's it's definitely up there, and this has kind of that nice classic San Andreas flavor. It's like a little bit smoky, a little bit spicy, and a little bit of that sweetness. Um, San Andreas reminds me a lot of Connecticut Broadleaf, but with a little bit less of that richness. Yeah, actually, that's a great way to put it. You're right. It, it is really nice. It's a it's a good midline and um and the burn as well. If you look at it, it's it's pretty good. No complaints from yeah, me. I think it's, it's it's smoking great. It's burning mine's really Mine's not great. terrible. Um, so wh- what kind of flavor notes you're getting from the cigar? We haven't really talked about so, that much. So I actually I'm I'm trying to tone down my smoking. I smoke like a beast. I can suck through a cigar and you know this size uh, robusto extra robusto. I can get through in like forty minutes, thirty eight minutes. I don't know what it is, so I'm, I have to tone it down. So I'm I'm a little bit further ahead. Um, now I'm starting to get a lot of cocoa, and I think that's awesome. I started off yeah. with the wood. The cocoa is really pronounced, and I'm I'm really surprised in a good way. I, I think it's great. And it's not an intensely spicy cigar, but there is a lot of black pepper. It's it's spicy, yeah. but I I wouldn't call it intensely spicy. Um, it's very approachable. It's, I think yeah, that it's, this this would be a good cigar for just about anybody, regardless of what your palate is. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of firmly medium. Uh, the yeah. only person I could see disliking it is people who hate spicy cigars. Um, but these days, that's not most people. Yeah, yeah. certainly not not what it used to be 10, yeah. 20 years ago. So I'm going to move on to my second pairing, which is uh, a beer from Stone. So Stone, I mean, if you haven't heard of them, where have, what have you been doing with your life? Uh, either that or you don't, just don't drink beer. Um so Stone, I'll go. I'll go over like the quick version of their story. They were founded in 1996 in San Marcos, California. Uh, in 2006, ten years later, they moved to uh, Escondido, and I think that's kind of when they started to explode. Uh, before that, they were very popular. Uh, they came out with their Arrogant Bastard in 1997, which is like a. I mean, in the mid 2000s and early 2000s, that was kind of like the standard craft beer. If if there was yeah. going to be one craft beer that a store had, that was the one. And they've since then they've gotten even more popular. Um, I think they're the second largest craft brewer in the country now. Um, in May 2013, they opened a bistro and beer garden in San Diego. In 2015, they split Arrogant Bastard off, which I'll talk about a little more in a minute. Uh, and in 2016, they opened two new breweries, one in Richmond, Virginia, which I think at the end of last year is when it became fully functional um, for the first six months or so. It was kind of an interesting test brewery. So like, I was actually in Richmond a couple months after they opened, and they had bottles of Stone IPA that were experimental or prototype edition because they hadn't figured out the right recipe yet to make it taste right but they couldn't do like five gallon batches to test the ingredients and from what i've heard uh, my my uncle had been to the brewery and talked to one of the head brewers about it and he said that the water quality was too different there were too many minerals in the water or no there weren't enough minerals in the water so they were having to uh, add minerals into the water to get it to taste the same and so every couple weeks there would be a new batch of this prototype where they used a different mix of minerals and we did a couple side by sides and it was really interesting oh, to man. taste literally the exact same recipe just made one made in San Diego one made in Richmond um that and must have been cool 
it, yeah, it was really cool. But the one made in Richmond wasn't as good. And if you can taste the difference, they're not doing it right. So I think by now I've heard that they've gotten it together and they're now like producing normally there. Um, but I, I mean, that's a move that a lot of brewers are making now. If the big West Coast brewers want a brewery on the East Coast, so they're not shipping beer 3,000 miles. Yeah, of course. It, it definitely makes sense. And I think Stone is doing their uh, their, their Pilsner, right? On the, on the East Coast? Uh they're doing a lot of stuff on the East Coast. I don't think anything that's brewed on the East Coast is brewed for the entire country. I think all of the production of the East Coast is strictly for the uh, the East Coast and the Southeast. Um, and then, of course, also in 2016, they opened the first American craft brewery outside of the United States in Berlin. Um, they've got a, a massive brewery there where they're brewing... They have to brew Reinheitsgebot beers, so they're they're brewing some of the classics like the uh, Arrogant Bastard, Stone IPA, stuff like that. That is compliant to the Reinheitsgebot, um, and then they're also brewing some more German style beers for the people there because not everybody there wants something that hoppy. They feel like yeah, for the most part, they feel like American beer is terrible. But I, as far as I've heard, Stone is like kind of changing that perception, and I've heard their place is crazy busy. Oh, I bet. I can only imagine. And it, I think it's pretty cool. You're right. In Europe, in general, the mentality when you look at a beer, the craft beer scene, it's not very hoppy beer. They're not used to hoppy beers. And to them, they're almost like, oh, this is a, this tastes kind of weird. This is this is too much for me. I can't handle all the flavors. It doesn't taste good. It's all those different things. They're just not used to it. And now that that whole mentality is changing thanks to like what Stone is doing now, thanks to um, you look at McKellar, stuff that yeah. they've been doing for Europe as Brew well. Dog. There's a lot of breweries over there that are kind of changing the perception, which which I think is a really good thing. Uh, but anyway, um, actually, before I get on to my beer, I just want to quickly mention the Arrogant Bastard thing, because I think a lot of people don't know about that. So in 2015, they actually split Arrogant Bastard off of Stone. So they're, it's now Arrogant Bastard Brewing and Stone Brewing. They're two separate companies. Yep. Stone is still brewing all of their beer. And they did do like a little experiment kind of thing where they went to several different breweries and made a slightly different version of Arrogant Bastard there that was available exclusively at that brewery. Um, from what I've heard, the plan is to eventually do contract brewing so that they'll be they'll have other breweries making Arrogant Bastard so that they don't have to make 100% of it and they can focus on their other beers. And I think... From what I've read, part of the reason they split off is just because they didn't want the they wanted to focus on stone style beers instead of and have the arrogant bastard brewing focus on variations of the arrogant bastard concept, which seems to be going pretty well. It's just it's a weird thing that they're owned by the same people still and run by the same people. It's a very weird situation. But anyway, I am drinking stone Shokovesa. If you've. If you've been watching the show for a while, you know Robbie loves this one, and it's this is such my, a good beer. This is the first time I've been able to get it. Um, it just it sells out quickly here, and every year I would get into November and be like, "Oh, I got to find that beer," but it comes out at the beginning of October, so I missed it every year up until now. Oh, so, it, so the really interesting thing about this beer, and you might not even know this, it was originally a winner of a homebrew competition where oh, okay. they no, I didn't know. They had this big competition where they had people send in the recipes and the winner would get to go to Stone, brew their beer with the people at Stone, and it would come out as a limited edition. So it came out in 22-ounce bombers as a limited edition, and it was so popular they decided to just keep bringing it back. And now it's an annual release. So Chocovesa, Chocovesa, sorry, is a Imperial Mocha Stout. So what that means is it is an imperial stout brewed with cocoa, coffee, pasilla peppers. So it's kind of got that Mexican hot chocolate element, uh, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. Uh, it clocks in at a, a slightly imperial 8.1% ABV and a fairly hoppy 50 IBUs, which I was surprised it's, that it's it was that It's super high. drinkable, though. It's, it's still yeah, so it drinkable. Really it's amazing. Um, and, of course, if, if I've got a stone beer, I've got to mention the cigar pairings. So they recommend... In Alec Bradley Prince Sato Corojo, Casa Magna, Colorado, Rocky Patel, 15th anniversary, La Aroma de Cuba, Mi Amor, or a Padron 64 Maduro, which I, I could see all of those going well with this. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And before you talk about yours and we get into our next, or I start talking about my next pairing, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This show is sponsored by Cigar Oasis. Don't spend all your time worrying about your cigar wrappers cracking, splitting, or falling apart from humidity fluctuation issues. Set it and forget it by choosing Cigar Oasis, a professional solution which provides equal distribution of humidity with precise electronic controls. Monitor your cigars through the internet using the smart humidor Wi-Fi attachment. And we're back. Um, so I, I've been drinking a little bit of my Choco Vesa, but I want to hear what your next pairing is, Dennis. All right. So actually, before I get to my next pairing, I just want to say, dude, dropping some knowledge. I love it. Stone, I didn't know about that. That's pretty cool. That's, that's one do, of my dog. favorite beers. And and I have to say, I have to ask you, so does, is that bottle a sticker or is it a silkscreen? Sticker. Oh, man. So yeah, just I think in the last year or two, they started doing stickers instead of silkscreen to um, save on, on cost, right? I think they're doing, so I'm not 100% sure. My thought is that it might be just limited editions because they only do one release of this a year. So, I mean, if they're only making, I don't know, I don't know how many bottles, like if it was a cigar production, I could guess at how many they're making with beer. I have no idea. So yeah. however many they're making, it might not be enough for the silk screen to be worth it. But I think the other bottles that I've had from them in the past few months have been painted. I think I've I had, um, so I think just about all of them that I've had. So I've had the the Arrogant Bastard, all, all those classics. They, they've all been stickers. And then the only one that I can think of recently that, that was a silkscreen was their um, the depth-charged Arrogant Bastard. Oh. And oh, yeah, the, the char, the oak char is fantastic. It's totally worth the money. The bomber in New York, I don't know how it is by you, but in New York it's stupid expensive. And just uh, because I guess it's hard to get. Which one, the oaked? The, uh, the oaked, yeah, I think it's called the charred. So not the regular oaked bastard. It's the oh. no. I don't think I had that. One. It's pretty funky. It's good stuff. I like it. I'm looking to see if it says where it was made. So one thing that I did notice when I was in uh, Richmond is that they all of theirs that were made in Richmond had stickers. But I think that was because they weren't making huge productions of them yet. Okay. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But it could just be a change that they made. They may have just changed it, which would be kind of nice because uh, you can't. A a silkscreen bottle is hard to use for homebrew. <laughs> this is so true. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind true. if they switched to all stickers, especially since they're not like paper stickers. They're like these clear, like decal yeah, kind of stickers. That they, they are nicer stickers. Easily. I was just a little bit sad because I I used to buy the bombers and then cut them and make glasses out of them. Yeah, you you sent me one a long time oh, ago. Oh, you still have that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, a while back. And I, I still have a collection of these, like, I guess now they're kind of rare. They don't make, I don't think they make the silkscreen ones anymore for those particular ones that I have. That's disappointing. So, yeah. Right. So what's your next pairing? I gotta know. My next, my next pairing is, it's a little bit funky. And it's interesting because it's also a sour, technically. Um, so this is Graft, uh, Graft Cider, Cloud City. Uh, let me just focus. There it is. So... Cool label, and and this sticker is actually textured. I kind of I dig that they went that extra mile to make that the nice. Oh, it's like sticker on it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is really cool because this is a. Remember we talked about and and many over many many episodes it's been brought up. We talked about these milkshake IPAs, right? These milkshake oh, yeah. beers with the lactose. This is one of those. This was this is kind of a inspired by. It's a cider that was inspired by these milkshake beers. And this one is called, officially they call it a Blueberry Dreamsicle Cider, which just sounds fantastic. Uh, and I, I think I've had at least 40 of these. At, oh, my God. Right now. And it's, it's, it's hard to find. It's so hard to find in New York. And I track them down. Um, and I buy as many as I can. So it's cool because it, it's made with, it's got New York apples, blueberries, lemon zest, lactose, and vanilla, which is pretty cool. And these guys are from upstate New York. So these are from, uh, I believe it's Newburgh, New York. I know where that so is. So kind of, kind of local. Oh, you do. Yeah. I don't. I don't even know where that is. <laughs> I used to know somebody oh, who lived there. In New York. Oh, okay. It's a, it's oh, yeah, a sketchy place. Uh, it, it sounds like it. It sounds that like basically most little towns in uh, upstate New York are kind of sketchy. Not to knock on New York. I think New York is great. Uh, at least the upstate area. But uh, this comes in at six point nine percent, and it is. You know, you can definitely notice the lactose really stands out. So it's more of a. It really sits on your palate. It's a thicker, thicker beer, mm -hmm. and it's 
it's gorgeous. I don't know if the camera can do it justice, but it's got this like really cool purplish, like this kind of barrel aged Kool Aid kind of thing going on. <laughs> uh, yeah, classy. so I find that the like the milk lactose in, I mean, every almost everybody's had a milk stout, but yeah. not everybody has had, had a milk ale or a milk cider or something like that, and. Dreamsicle is exactly the way to describe it. You get those fruity notes from either the hops or, in your case, the blueberries or the and the apples. And then it's just got like this creaminess that's hard to describe, but it's just like that flavor of a creamsicle. And it, I don't know, it just works out really well in beer for some reason. Oh, I love it. I'm I'm a huge fan. And actually, I'm I'm just now beginning to experiment in my own homebrews with with lactose. And I have to say, I really dig this beer. I've always been a fan of it since it came out, but I'm still not sure where I stand on the the pairing. So this, <laughs> I, I may have been a little bit overzealous with this one, but I'm I'm going to give it a chance to just uh, to melt and see what happens. Um, my pairing, on the other hand, um, the the Chocoveza kind of cuts the, and I actually forgot to hold up my glass here, but it's, I mean, it looks like a stout. It's brown and viscous. With a little bit ahead, um, I feel like I'm getting the spice, and this is a very earthy beer. It's very different. A lot of stouts aren't as earthy; they're more chocolatey, kind of, and roasty. But this one's got like it reminds me of it reminds me of Connecticut Broadleaf, actually. That that Ooh. dark earthy okay. richness, and then there's definitely you can definitely get the chocolate. And you get just a little hint of those peppers. It reminds me a little bit of Prairie Bomb in that way, that the peppers are there, but they're not like spicy. It's almost like cooling on your palate rather than spicy because it's such a small amount of spice. But it's definitely there. And I think it takes away from the spice of the cigar a little bit. But I'm not sure. I'm not, I think it actually makes the cigar kind of, kind of sweeter. It could be a transition in the cigar, but I think it's, it's just making it a little sweeter. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about the how much the pepper plays into the into the whole body of the of the beer itself. And I've had many of those myself and I've also noticed that earthiness is just awesome. It's different. It's it's a nice Yeah, it's really different. But but delightful. It's I love this beer. I wish that I had gotten a bottle a long time ago. And you know, you're going to hate me for this, but it's super easy to get in New York. It's everywhere. I'm sure it is. Nobody because the problem here is people are crazy it. for it. Yeah, I think the scene here is not um, hasn't really picked up on it yet, mm-hmm. or maybe to the extent where they figured the distributors figured, well, New York is pretty big and there's a big beer scene, we can just ship tons of it mm-hmm. and it'll get sold, which I th- I think they do pretty well in New York. Uh, I mean, ac- actually, that could be because um, kind of. So I live uh, for anybody who's new. I live in Portland, Oregon, which is one of the beer meccas of the U.S. It's uh, it's starting to fall off i think or maybe not fall off is the wrong word it's starting to get overtaken i think soon somebody else is going to take over and have more breweries per capita than we do um but for right now we're the king and it shows i mean you go into a grocery store and there's an entire aisle like uh you know when you go into safeway and i don't this isn't how it was when i where i was on the east coast but do you have an entire aisle both sides are beer um so only like in specialty stores. So supermarket, no, no. Yeah, I mean, at supermarkets, our supermarket, generally, it's one aisle. There's like a, I don't, I, I don't remember. I used to work retail, so I knew I, I was able to look at a shelf and be like, oh, that's a sixty foot. Um, but I would guess like 42, 46 feet or so, and it's just all beer, both sides of the aisle, and a quarter of it is the macro brew stuff. Oh. Everything else is micro brew. Oh man! And that's just the world that we live in. Like, I can go to the store and get stuff that people would trade me for online, no problem. But the caveat of that is that we don't get quite as much of stuff from out of state because so much of the stuff is coming from in the state that they don't want to saturate the market with their stuff. Um, yeah, that, that, that I mean, it's sense. a blessing and a curse. Uh, there's, there's so much yeah. beer here that... I mean, I could go to the store every day for a month and not drink the same beer twice. <laughs> See, I don't have that problem. Unfortunately, I wish I did. Uh, we, I mean, we have stores, right? We have great stores, but they're really their specialty stores there. Mm-hmm. And we don't have many of them. 
You know, yeah. it, you can't just walk into any supermarket. If I walked into the supermarket that's, you know, a couple miles from my house, it's, I think it's uh, uh, ShopRite, and I walk in, uh, actually in Jersey, you can't get beer in a supermarket. Let's say right. I'm in New York and I go to the supermarket, pretty much what I'll see is about at least 90%, 95%, all the all the macro stuff, all the really yeah. big macro stuff and some of their, you know, some of their newer crafty type brands that are still InBev, you know, Anheuser-Busch InBev. Yeah. Um, still macro stuff. Maybe you'll see a um, a bottle of stone somewhere with some dust on it, you know, from you know <laughs> five five six years ago. But that's about it. And even Whole Foods, Whole Foods has a really good selection, but it's very small. If you talk about yeah. uh, shelf size, I'd say twenty feet at most. Whole Foods in uh, middle of Manhattan, Union Square. Yeah, the, the Whole Foods here. Uh, I'm trying to think of the last Whole Foods I go in because I don't have one near me. I think they're I about guess Amazon Foods now, right? Uh, I don't know. I haven't been to one in long enough that the last time I went, they weren't owned by Amazon. Yeah. Had a 20 foot of single bottles and then a, a 24 foot or so section of six packs. And I mean, it's like I said, it's a blessing and a curse. Like I can get anything made in Oregon just about at the supermarket. Um, but the only stone stuff I can get is easily without going to a different store is arrogant bastard or stone ipa like they're limited editions i have to go to a special specialty store for because our our market is just so saturated with great beer but that's a good problem to have it's it's time to move on because i need to talk about this <laughs> Stokavesa. the more i drink it the more i like this pairing it does like that the hops and the peppers kind of cover up bits of the cigar um but they really bring out like a almost fruity like i would call it like a pastry a fruity pastry kind of sweetness oh, okay. like maybe uh uh i don't know like a strawberry pie kind of sweetness which is really pleasant in the cigar um and we got to take one more break before we move on to our last burn we're going into after dark here there's no no if oh we have to after burners um, on we gotta do it so uh of course we don't have an ad our final segment is brought to you by none other than the fine people over at Drew Estate. Uh, download the Drew Estate app, check in your cigars, win some swag, uh, go on safari, get your sweet headphones and your hat painted like Dennis over here. Oh, get, oh I forgot about the hamster. <laughs> get get some paintings of your animals. Um, yeah. I mean, some cool stuff, actually. <laughs> I mean, they... At, at Drew Estate, one of the things they really love at Subculture Studios is hard projects. They love painting weird stuff for people and see stuff like Talk that. Talk about weird, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, and actually, to give a little plug to Drew Estate, on DE4 Live, um, I won't say his name, but on our safari, Jesse actually mentioned because Fabian asked him, what's the craziest thing you've ever, or what are some of the craziest things you have, you've ever painted? and he said, this one dude brought this picture of his girlfriend, like, topless on a bed, and we turned her into a rat and painted it. And that was one of the guys we were on safari with. And oh, that I, painting I remember was, it well. awesome. that it painting was, was so cool. Like, he better hang that painting up in his house and just put stickers over the nipples so that, <laughs> so that his kids, you know, so that anybody who comes in the house doesn't think he's creeping out his kids with naked <laughs> pictures. Um, Jesse's team is is those guys are insane guys and girls I should say and and a lot of them are young I was really surprised how many of them were you know 15 16 in that in that range it, it's awesome to see young talent like that coming out and, and having a place to just go nuts and do do wild stuff like that yeah and so if you go on safari bring the bring the thing that you ha own that you want painted that you think is impossible to paint because they'll figure out a way to paint it oh, and yeah. They'll they like that challenge. They love it down there. Um, like Jesse and his team, they're all great. They do great work. Um, I mean, I can't recommend it enough. But anyway, I'm going to move on to my last pairing here. So my last pairing was sent to me by Dennis. Thank you, Dennis. Oh, I uh, forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just talking about it. I dude, I totally uh, forgot. So so Dennis has more information on the brewery because they don't really reveal much on their website. I couldn't even find out when they were founded. Um, but this uh, is. Carton Brewing, if it'll focus there. Got to get my face out of the way so it can focus. Um, and it's still not doing it. That's all right. So this is Sunday Neapolitan Imperial Russian Stout from Carton Brewing. Uh, Carton is in 
Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey. They're, we've talked about them. I feel like we've talked about them even when they're not on the show. We talk about Carton. They, they come up with these high-concept beers and then turn them into beers, and somehow they work. So this particular beer, so Neapolitan Russian Stout, uh, I'm, I'm sure you don't know what that means, but it means that this is an Imperial Russian Stout that they make, and they add Neapolitan ice cream to it. Freeze-dried Neapolitan, like yeah. that astronaut space ice cream that you used to get when you were a kid that's freeze-dried. They actually add that to the brewing uh, to make an Imperial Stout called Cosmonaut. And Sunday is where they said, what if instead of having just an ice cream bar, we had an ice cream Sunday? So they put walnuts and maraschino cherries in a cognac barrel and then aged the Imperial Stout in there. And I mean, I I'm really excited to try this pairing because I love crazy beers and Carton are like the kings of crazy beers. Um, and I, I oh, I forgot to mention they're aged for 12 months. That's a long time to age beer. Most beers are aged like six months. Um, and this clock's in at 10% ABV, 24 IBUs. And I love their packaging. Like they just have like if if you could get this set at supermarket, they would sell like crazy because they just have nice looking cans that are really eye-catching with that kind of neon orange yeah yeah it, it's super clean all the cans look really good yeah um i'm gonna take a couple sips of my sunday while you talk about your next pairing i'm jealous i think that was the last can actually no more they're they're not available anymore oh so that's the unicorn you got there so my last pairing is it's interesting you mentioned pasilla uh pasilla chilies my last beer is super funky, and it's right up there, kind of in the same scale as what you're drinking now. It's a it's an imperial stout from Evil Twin, and I'm trying to get to focus. So you're in the jungle, baby. <laughs> Good name. Um, so this is actually Evil Twin, and I just realized Jackie O's as well, and I, I believe that's a I want to say it's a bar, probably. I could be wrong, but so this is an imperial stout brewed with pasilla chili honey tangerine peel, cocoa nibs. Wow. And that's a mouthful. That's a lot, right? That's a whole ton of stuff. And that's typical for Evil Twin. All their beers are a little bit on that edge of like, wow, that's that's strange. You know, weird and interesting and and, and kind of exciting. Um, ABV on this one is insane in a good way for me. Uh, 12%. Wow. That's a heater. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Pitch black. How much head? I mean, I mean, granted, I, I did pour it a while back, uh, about 40 minutes ago, but it's I haven't even tasted it, haven't touched it. But on All the right. nose, it's it, you can definitely I can smell the, the chilies. They're there, they're they're popping out at me. So uh, this beer is like almost too much. It's crazy tasting. Uh, it's there's so much going on. I already know that it overpowers the cigar, um, which I mean that's a bad thing. But I'll talk about how great the beer is anyway. It's very sweet. The first sip, I was like, all right, this is way too sweet for me. And I, I, I just don't like sweet beers. Like, for me, if if I've got, like, an IPA that's, you know, those really hoppy double IPAs, but they also have, like, that super malty backbone, and they end up being, like, candy sweet, like, oh, yeah. uh, like Stone Ruination is one of them. I hate that. I hate when they're so, like, cloyingly sweet. I just can't I'm the sa- I'm the same way. This has that sweetness, but it's in a good way. Like, it actually, I can taste vanilla ice cream and strawberry ice cream. The chocolate's a little hard to taste over the, I think uh, there's added chocolate and added vanilla in here. And I think the the malts overpower the chocolate a little bit, um, or at least uh, cover it up because you it's hard to tell the difference. But there's so much vanilla and so much strawberry. And they say that uh, they do a kind of mid-boil hopping with super Galena yes. hops. And they say that adds a little bit of strawberry character. I don't know about that. Um, I, I didn't know. You know, honestly, I, I had a whole lot of them. I, I bought many, many, many cases of this beer. <laughs> and I drank almost all of it. And I, I didn't get too much of the strawberry. I, I get, but that's, I, it's a tough flavor to... to, to yeah i i get some strawberry but mostly like i mean it actually tastes like vanilla ice cream it's it's awesome i love it and you then you kind of you get that barrel age kind of flavor the 
like that booziness and a little bit of the cognac and you can just barely taste the cherries and the walnuts. It's crazy that they can come up with these high concept ideas and turn them into something that not only tastes good, but tastes like what that concept is. Like Absolutely. Yeah. It, if I just walked in off the street and tasted this without telling me, it'd be like, weird, that tastes like an ice cream sundae. Um, it's kind of mind boggling. Unfortunately, it's it's not that great for the for the cigar as a pairing. But on its own, it's incredible. I think that the the beer just has too much going on to it's it's battling with the flavor of the cigar too much for me. Yeah, I'm actually getting the same with with mine. And and to be fair, I think uh, for some reason this beer reminds me of the one that you're drinking now. It reminds me so much of it. Um, I think, it, and it's actually because probably the honey, the sweetness from the honey, that that spicy kind of character that you you're getting from the cognac barrels, I'm getting from the chilies. So I think you're right. It's I feel the same way about my last one as well. It's a little bit too much for the cigar, but on its own, fantastic beer. Um, I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna go back on what I said. It's not that bad of a pairing. The problem is there's so much going on with the beer. You can't do the normal pairing thing of kind of taking a sip and then immediately taking a dra- a puff from the cigar. Um, taking a draw from the cigar immediately after just conflicts with the flavors too much. But I took a sip and then I went on that kind of, I don't want to call it a rant, but I talked about how, how much they conflicted. And then I took a, dr- a puff off the cigar. Yeah. And it was a lot better. Um, so how's the retro hail on that? Now, now that your palate's kind of coated with with the beer, not as spicy as it was before. Yeah, it's got kind of a, I would call it a chocolatey, a meaty and chocolatey sweetness. Which again, that sounds like a terrible combination. In cigars, <laughs> it just works. Like chocolate and meat go together when it's cigars. But like, I wouldn't put Hershey syrup on my steak. That would be disgusting. Oh, uh, maybe on a ham sandwich. Maybe not a steak. Uh, maybe. I don't know about that. Um, but so like the retro hell, there's almost no spice anymore. I don't know if it's because of the beer or if it's just the evolution of the cigar. I mean, that's always kind of hard to tell. But if I don't drink the beer for a little while, while it's still kind of on my palate, but not at the forefront of my palate, I'm just kind of tasting the long finish. Um, it really brings out a lot of like meaty savory flavors in the cigar with a little bit of that sweetness uh from like i want to say it reminds me of a chocolate souffle where it's kind of a bitter chocolate flavor um with a little bit of like the uh the savory characteristic from kind of like the butter and the milk oh yeah yeah it's, i'm getting a lot of cocoa on, on mine yeah tons of cocoa and like you said souffle or maybe a, a mousse like a chocolate mousse yeah along those lines yeah, it's. I think it's actually the cigar. Now that I'm tasting it, I think it's the cigar is actually like the the spice just is kind of dropping off, which is surprising because it's a San Andreas wrapper, which are typically fairly spicy. Um, man, it's hard to describe. I gotta take a sip of water. <laughs> Clear the palate. I'm gonna do that with my with my crazy lactose cider. And I have to say, I've noticed for me, and I've said this before, as a beer gets warmer. For me, the, the the flavor really opens up. I really I don't like yeah. drinking beers fresh out of the fridge, especially something that's a little bit I like a little bit stronger, a little bit more complex. I like one sip fresh out of the fridge. Yeah. So that's what I did with these beers. So, um, I mean, our typical protocol: we get on the call about twenty minutes, half an hour before we start the show. I pour my beers, take one sip from each one, and then let them sit until they're ready. Uh, I mean, an hour, sometimes a little, a little more than an hour later. Um, so we have a couple comments from our our audience that I, I've been meaning to get to, a, but we've been talking so much that I haven't gotten to them. So Walter Hans Jaeger wants to know how would a coffee pairing go with the cigar? He loves spicy cigars, and he says Dennis got him a Punisher a couple years ago. <laughs> I'm guessing that's you. I I mean, somebody's tagged. Yeah, it. yeah, that's you. Yeah. Um... Coffee pairing, I, I think it's it's tough for me to say because I, with, with any cigar in general, coffee and cigars for me they go hand in hand. Yeah, you, we you give me just so, about any coffee and I love it. So on the show, we've talked a lot about how uh, coffee is kind of like root beer; it's a cheat pairing. No matter what, yeah. 
coffee is going to pair pretty well. So for this particular cigar, I think, in my opinion, a black coffee wouldn't go as well with it as something with a little bit of sweetness. Uh, like a, I think, actually, Irish cream. I think Irish cream would go really well with this cigar. Mm. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. I was uh, thinking uh, almost even like a Cuban coffee. Yeah, I, I think anything black, like... I mean, I'm I'm a black coffee drinker. I only drink coffee black in general. But for this particular cigar, I think it would go better with something with a little bit of sweetness, like a Cuban coffee or um, maybe a latte or a cappuccino or something like that that's got a little bit of that creaminess. But I, I think it would go pretty well with a, with a black coffee. I could see it going with a... Let me think for a second. I mean, a Nicaraguan coffee is easy, like... Nicaraguan coffee just goes really well with cigars. It's got that punchy element that Nicaraguan cigars yeah. have. Um, and actually, the more I think about it, the more I think a black Nicaraguan coffee would go really well with this. Yeah, definitely more of a dark roast. Nothing nothing too bright. I think a, a brighter coffee would take away from the flavors of the cigar. Mm -hmm. um, and then Thomas Sellers says, a little bit of cocoa powder in venison chili sets it off. I could absolutely see that. Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. I was thinking a sweet chocolate, but like a little bit of cocoa in just about anything with meat actually goes pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. It's surprising, right? And then Tony Tamparello <clears throat> is currently drinking a peanut butter milk porter with a Papa's Freitas. Oh my God. Oh that my is God. a great pairing. <laughs> that is a good pairing right there, Tony. That's incredible. I, cheers right. to that. That's beautiful. Um, so we went a little bit over time, but um, I think once I cut down the silence, we might we might still be able to fit into that 58 minutes, but I'm going to, I'm going to go back over my pairings here. Um, I need to take one more sip of the wiggly bridge. So I think the, the like really heavy corn element and the butteriness of the wiggly bridge goes well with just about any cigar. I think it went better with the first third of the cigar than the final third, um, because it had that spice that it's kind of lost now, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I, I really like when cigars change like that. But for the whiskey, it's not going quite as well with it as it was at the beginning. Um, I would give this pairing a 91. It's, it's, not, it's not perfect only because it kind of falls off in the last third. The pairing, I think, is really good in the first two thirds. But in the final third, uh, when you lose that spice, the whiskey doesn't go quite as well with it. What about your first pairing, Dennis? So I actually have to say, I think my first pairing is, is my favorite. It's the one that, that matches the body of the cigar the best because it's not too complex, pretty simple. It, it's a little bit spicy. It has a good body to it. But the, the tartness from the sour aspect of it carries the flavors of the cigar. It doesn't envelop it. It doesn't overwhelm the palate. So I'd say for me, I mean, this one this one is probably a solid 93. Best one out of, out of all three. And um, that that's exactly my sentiment about the Stone Chocovesa. And um, it's not on this bottle, but I was Robbie had this on the show a couple times because he really likes it. And every time he called it Zocoveza. And I always oh. thought that can't be right. Um, and apparently on the older bottles, it said pronounced Chocoveza. Yeah, it, ha it had the it had the pronunciation on it. Yeah, that's apparently gone now. But for the Chocoveza, I would give that a 93. It's. That is just a great pairing with this cigar. It goes well with it all the way through. Um, and I, I feel like the complexity of the beer matches up well with the transitions of the cigar from spicy to, um, you know, kind of spicy with a lot of sweetness to then more meaty and sweet in the final third. Yeah, that sounds great. And it's not too alcoholic either. I think that helps a lot as well. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I mean... I mean, there are a lot of really smooth drinking, like 10%, 11% beers out there, but uh, that still takes a toll on your palate. Definitely. It definitely does. What about your second pairing, Dennis? So my, my second pairing, unfortunately, as much as I love the beer, I have to say it's it's not, uh, this is the uh, the worst one. Oh. I have to say, unfortunately, yeah. Only because I think that lactose character that I love about it, it carries through and stays on the palate too long. And it just overwhelms the, the flavor of the cigar. Even even in the final third, it overwhelms it. That's unfortunate. So, great beer, great cigar. Um, not the best pairing. Probably a, a, a 80, 
at best an 87 for me, 88. And what about yeah. your final opinion? So, like I said before about the Sunday, unfortunately, <laughs> the the really like heavy sweetness up front on the on the Sunday. Hold up that can one more time. Um, the really heavy sweetness just covers up almost all the flavors of the cigar, um, which is really sad because they go really well together. The problem is you have to put two minutes between taking a sip and taking a draw off the cigar. Um, I mean, I would give this like an 85. They just, even though they're both great, they don't play well. Yeah, that's that's fair. And, and mine is, is similar to that in, in, the, in the sense that the flavors do carry on a little bit longer than I would like. Um, I'm, I'm probably a 91 on mine, on my last one. And I think that's actually, believe it or not, I think it's, it's the alcohol that, that does it. it. It's a little bit too, I don't want to say hot, but it's um, a little too robust. Yeah. I mean, with a, a medium-bodied cigar like this, that tends to happen. Um, sometimes it's just not a great pairing. All right. I think that, uh, that about ties it up. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you, everybody, on the Armed Forces Radio Network for listening. Uh, we appreciate what you're doing out there, protecting freedoms, uh, fighting the good fight. And, uh, of course, thank you to all our podcast and YouTube listeners. Um, you know, feel free to drop us a comment. If you leave us a thumbs up, subscribe, give us a like, whatever the, whatever the little thumb thing is called on that app that you're using, uh, give, give us one of those. We appreciate it. Have a good, have a good weekend, everybody. Uh, check in tomorrow for the show with, uh, Jeremy Jack cigars. We'll have an interview with Brady. I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited for that. I'm, I'm awesome. looking forward to talking to him. All right, have a good night, everybody.